0: Hey everybody, this is Don Newman and this is Living a Life Worth Remembering. This is the show that's all about how you and I can live a life that would continue to live on even after our own lifetime has ended. And so I love talking to you Uh, every time I get a chance to come and bring something new, share something that uh, I've seen, something that I've learned over the years. I'm really excited about this episode. This is one I've actually wanted to do for a long time because of the lessons I learned in this particular series that I'm going to share today. The title of this series today, this episode today, is Leading Dogs, Leading People. Now hopefully that spikes your interest. What does this mean? Leading dogs, leading people. What I'm going to share today is I'm going to share five leadership secrets that I learned when I was a canine officer on the Florida Highway Patrol. Uh, there were five lessons that I learned about leadership when I was a canine officer that I'm going to share with you today. Now you may not uh, have ever been in law enforcement, you may have never worked with a, uh, handling a dog or with a canine, but there are some incredible lessons about leadership that I'm going to share today. In fact, I believe if you can really learn to lead a dog, you can lead a team. And so I'm going to share some of those things today. Years ago, I was a Florida State Trooper, and I served as a Florida State Trooper for about 15 years. And early on, when I became a State Trooper, one of my dreams was to be a canine officer. That came from years of having dogs, growing up with dogs. I actually raised German Shepherds, I actually raised hunting dogs, and so I just loved dogs growing up. And so, when I became a State Trooper, I became very interested in the possibility of eventually becoming a canine officer. So after several years of uh, serving as a road trooper, the opportunity came and I took advantage of it and I entered into the canine training program. Now I had no idea how difficult this canine training program was until I actually entered into it. It was one of the most difficult things I think I've ever done before. Uh, There were challenges that I had no idea that I would face once I entered into it and so Early on in the program, you're you're matched with a dog or they find a dog that's a good fit, that really, really is going to be a good working dog, a good police dog, and uh, I actually named this dog Gator. I know for many of my friends that know I'm a big Seminole fan in the state of Florida, they can't believe I named a dog Gator, but I did. <clears throat> I think I was hoping that he would have a mouth like a Gator and would be a really good police dog. but. Gator and me were matched up and we went off to canine school, which was local here in Central Florida. And uh, there was myself and several other officers that went to this training school to actually train with our dogs. And as we were training with our dogs, we started with very basic things and began to move up. And again, as I shared earlier, there was a lot of difficulty that I never ever imagined that I would face with training a dog. I mean, I was, I'd raised dogs, had played with dogs uh, my whole life as a, as a kid and now I'm looking at this challenge in front of me, learning, man, there's a whole lot more to actually training a working uh, police dog. And so, there was a particular incident that happened that really laid the foundation of what I'm going to share with you guys today. And it was there was a night that we were training at night and the instructor who was very skilled at what he did was asking us to do certain things with our dog and you know as i was leading my dog asking the dog speaking to the dog to heal and to stay at my left side and to make particular maneuvers as we were walking together um, the instructor started shouting at me to stop doing something with the dog to, to change what i was doing and and I'm trying to lead this dog along, and all of a sudden I've got this instructor behind me just shouting, stop doing that. Quit, quit doing that with the dog. And uh, so anyway, as he's shouting what I'm supposed to be doing and telling me to stop what I was doing, I begin to kind of take the the leash and begin to jerk my dog and, and yell at him to come on, do this. And all of a sudden, the instructor became unglued. It uh, came down on me, stop, stop, stop. Quit yelling at your dog. <clears throat> and I'm like, what do you mean quit yelling at my dog? You're yelling at me to do something. I'm trying to make the dog do it. I mean, why are you yelling at me? And he said, because I want you to get this correct, but you cannot yell at your dog. And I said, well, I don't get that. And he said to me, he said, look, when you're going to be out in the field as a police officer, you're going to have all kinds of stuff going on around you. You're going to have people yelling. You may have gunfire. You may have uh, all kinds of unwanted activity that's putting pressure on you and pressure on the dog. And you've got to be the voice of reason with your dog. You may have to deal with the stress of something coming down on you, but you can't put it on the dog you've got to lead the dog. You've got to instruct the dog. And so basically what he was saying to me was, I can put pressure on you, but you can't put pressure on the dog. You've got to lead the dog. And so, he kind of led me through that and showed me that the dog would shut down if I started yelling at the dog and Gator did. I mean, he just went crazy. I mean, the more I yelled at him, you know, the less he did what I asked him to do. And so, Early on, I began to see that in canine instruction and being a canine officer, it was very much like being a manager or a leader, or especially a middle manager, that you've got to be able to deal with stress, but you can't pass that stress down. And so you think about, just, just think about some of your favorite leaders over the years in business or Uh, school or sports or ministry, you may find when you look back at them, you'll find out that they were able to deal with stress, but they were able to recreate it in a way that it motivated and led you to do what you needed to do, what they ultimately were trying to do. They weren't going to get you to do it just by yelling. Now, anybody that's ever been in leadership before knows there's a time to yell and there's a time to encourage, there's a time to do everything. but if all you're doing is yelling and shouting and trying to force somebody to get something to get them to do something, it's never going to work. And so I saw immediately the whole key to this to this leadership position was to be able to handle all kinds of levels levels of stress, points of stress that was, that would come against me and then recreate them, in a way that would motivate the dog that I was leading to accomplish what we were doing. And so I started to realize there's no greater position of leadership in learning how to lead than a canine officer. And the whole time I was going through this training and the whole time that I was actually a canine officer on the road, I would always think of the models of leadership and how similar it was to leading a team and leading a corporation To leading a canine. And so, today I'm going to share five things that I learned in leading a canine that translate over to leading a team or to leading people. And so, the very first thing that I want to share is this. Of the five leadership lessons I learned, this is probably one of the most important and I shared a little bit about this. Never lead them, a canine or a team, with fear or anger. Never lead with fear or anger. Uh, As I shared just a few minutes ago, you know, the dog shut down when I got angry. And uh, you know, dogs, if you're a dog lover, you know they're very sensitive to emotions. They can tell when an owner's angry with them and they can also tell many times when you're fearful and they'll react to that. And so, I learned early on that there's no replacement for leader. There's no replacement for confidence in leadership and the dog could register could read that confidence in me and could tell if there was confidence or if there was fear or if there was anger. In fact, there was one time I was upset about something and the trainer came over to me and said, uh, "What's going on with your dog?" And I said, "I don't know." He said, "What's going on with you?" And I said, "Well, I've had a bad I started to share some inner turmoil in my life and he said, "Go home today. Take a break." because your dog's picking up on this. And I thought that's amazing that that animal would pick up on my own inner turmoil and react to it in the middle of this training. And so he did a wise thing. And so confidence is everything and it's all the things that we need to have in leadership. And when you lack that confidence, you're gonna react in a way of fear or you're gonna act in a way of anger. And so that steady confidence, you think about great generals that you've heard about in history that in battle, I mean, everything is going on. I mean, uh, you imagine the enemy is pressing in, there's bombs that are dropping, I mean, decisions that need to be made. And all of a sudden you either see a leader hiding in a foxhole or they're retreating, or you'll see a leader that's steady and confident that is instructing troops what to do in the face of, of, of great odds and danger. And that's what I'm talking about, having that confidence. You know, as a leader, we've got to have confidence and we can't lead with fear or anger. You know, what happens when a a manager, a leader in a business comes into an office, slams his door, starts shouting, and all of a sudden everybody realizes, man, he's really upset. Well, if that's an occasional thing that only happens Uh, once or twice a year, you know, they know you're human. But if it's consistent, every time there's a problem, you go to that mode, it's going to make people shut down. It's going to make people not be as responsive to following your leadership role. It's the same way with a canine. They're going to shut down. Also, employees are going to shut down. And so here's some of the things I learned. You know, I was angry that the instructor was mad at me. I was angry that I was in trouble with the instructor because I wasn't doing something right. And what I did is I translated that anger down to the canine. You know, if you're in leadership, you're going to have people over you. And when those people come and say, hey, you've got to get your team, you've got to do this, you've got to straighten some things out with the people on your team, you've got to make some changes, you know, the good leader goes back and thinks about, okay, how can I get that accomplished? What's some ways that I can actually get the people to move that way? The bad leader goes back and magnifies what they were just told, many times doubling it and threatening people that if you don't straighten up, this is gonna happen. I've actually seen leaders before that have received an email from a leader that was speaking to them like their boss sends an email basically short and sweet and to the point, get things straightened out or else. And I've actually seen leaders before forward that email to their team and make statements that are like, "Um, hey, the boss is really, really upset about what's going on and he wants to know what we're going to do about it. And, you know, I know in that leader's mind, they're thinking, if I can just share with them what's going on, they're going to get straight. But it never works. It never motivates any people, anybody. It never makes those changes necessary to really lead people in the way that they should go. Now, here's the solution. If you're a leader and you're saying, I struggle with this, I struggle with getting in trouble or getting where I feel like I've got to react instead of respond to my team. I I constantly struggle with this. Here's the solution, okay? The solution is lead and develop yourself before you try to lead and develop others. Lead and develop yourself before you try to lead and develop others. You know, you need to grow. You need to put positive things in your own life. You need to go and get books or Listen to podcasts that deal with how you can overcome some of these things like anger and fear. And and, and learn how to develop yourself. And you know what? Your team will see the changes happen in you. The employees that work for you or the, the people that you lead or the people that you are leading will see this change start to happen. And guess what they'll do? They'll start to follow and respond as you're changing. But focus more on trying to change you than them. Because if all they know is every time you show up, you're constantly barking at them and trying to correct them, you're never going to get anywhere with them. So never lead people from a place of fear or anger. Second thing I learned from uh, being a canine officer that translates over is this, find out what motivates your team. You know. <clears throat> Being a canine officer, there was nothing more than important than finding the right dog. And when you had to go and look at a number of dogs and choose one, guess what we were looking for? Uh, We were looking for which dog is the most motivated with a play drive, with a play drive. And so many times they'd take a ball, they'd take a rope. They would take something and just see which dog is the most driven to play. And I'm gonna tell you the reason why is there's all types of ways that dogs are trained in canine as police dogs. Uh, But the way that the dogs were trained with the method that I went through is that you were training them that if they were looking for narcotics, if they were looking for a particular drug, they were actually looking for their toy And what we would do is we had scent packs that gave us the ability to put the scent of a particular narcotic or drug or, you know, I know bomb sniffing, there's all kinds of dogs that are looking for particular items. But we were able to put that like in a tennis ball. And then the dog, all he knew was, I want my tennis ball, I wanna play. And he began to relate that smell with that tennis ball. And what we would do is we would hide it and, you know, and have the scent pack in it. And then if he found it, we'd bring another tennis ball out that did not have anything in it and bounce it and he'd chase it and he had fun. And so basically we were finding what's motivating this dog. The dog wants to play. (laughs) The dog wants to have a good time. Well, in tracking people, as a canine officer, what we would do is we would have somebody leave a scent pad basically their own body. They would basically uh, stand in an area so it created uh, the scent, their scent, and then they would walk off and then they would leave little treats in their steps and they would go and hide and the dog would come up and get the scent that was at the very beginning, but then as he began to move to find where that scent was going, he'd find treats. (laughs) He'd find something he wanted. And so literally when you were training the dog in the very first stages, you were training him based upon what he wanted, which for my dog, it was a hot dog. I cut up so many hot dogs. It was unbelievable. Uh, I mean, I, literally every day that we do this training, you know, I had bags and bags of hot dogs. And so uh, Gator, he loved hot dogs. And he, he learned to follow that scent because it led into his treat. And of course, at the end, when he found the person, they would have a bag. of hot dogs too. And slowly you begin to take the treat away and you know, they begin to actually track based upon the scent, not just the treats. But you train them based upon what motivates them. And so for a canine, you find what motivates that dog and you use it to train them, to lead them where you want them to go. Now you think about leaders and you think about managers. How many of you, Have ever taken the time to learn what motivates your employees? Is it praise? Is it awards? Is it more responsibility? Is it having their voice heard? Is it awards? I mean all of those things are important and I think all of those things are going to be beneficial to everyone. But what really motivates your team? What motivates the people that you're leading? Have you taken the time to recognize that? Because I want to teach you this principle. Great leaders know how to tie together the results they want with the results that the employee wants. And that's what canine officers do. They find a way to tie together the results they want. I want the dog to learn to find these narcotics. The dog wants to play. They learn how to tie that together. And as leaders, if we can learn how to tie those two things together, and we can learn how to direct people based upon their motivation, you'll find that people will do more because they're getting the results they ultimately want. And so learning to find what motivates people. What motivates them? You know, one of the sayings that we have in business is some people are make me famous and some people are make me rich. You know, the make me famous people love to get awards, love recognition, love if they've done something great that they're called out. And of course everybody likes that, but there's some people that's their strongest motivator. The make me rich people, those are people that are looking not only to get a raise and get ahead, but they're looking for opportunity. They're looking to advance, they're looking to grow. And so again, finding those motivators is important. With my dog, I found what motivated him and guess what? It allowed me to train him and lead him to be an effective canine. And so that's, a, that's another point that you wanna pay attention to. The third thing, that I learned was this, you've got to lead them by teaching them. Um, When my dog Gator uh, was selected, he had a play drive and he had some basic obedience already taught to him uh, that was actually in German. So I had to learn German uh, on some of the commands. But as far as tracking, as far as biting, as far as uh, narcotic searching and all those different things, He had no idea what to do. He had to be trained. He had to be trained. And you know, I think about the training and the things that had to go on, it had to come from me. There had to be a method of training. So here's some points that I learned about training. But as I share these, think about your own role as a manager or as a leader and how this translates to your team. The first thing was this, is I had to build a foundation. You know, what are the basics that your people need to know about your uh, operation, about what you're doing? Do they understand the basic things, the history of maybe the company, the way it operates, uh, what you expect? Have you ever told them what you expect? What are the basic foundational things? Like with the canine, there had to be an obedience class, which again, Gator was already trained in some of these things. So I just had to learn to work with him and go through consistently over and over again until he became accustomed to my voice and the signals that we'd give him. The next thing is this, not only build a foundation, but make it as fun as possible when you're teaching people. Uh, It is proven with a canine and I believe it's proven with people too. The canine will recall more, the dog will recall more things that he's been taught if you make it fun than if it's just routine. And so making it fun, playing, uh, you know, getting excited, petting the dog, I mean doing all these things so the dog's having a good time and you're teaching him something, he will remember and be able to recall what he's learned a whole lot more if it's fun. Have you ever been to a training class before? and it's the most boring thing in the world and 10 to 15 minutes into it you're you're looking for a wet paper towel to keep yourself awake or you're looking to stand up at the back of the room or do something because it's so boring and uninterested you've already zoned out after 10 minutes. We've all been in those classes. Well think about your own way of teaching people. Is it engaging? What are ways that you can make it engaging? Can you incorporate other people to help lead it that are going to call out uh, people and, you know, involve people? You know, what are the different ways that you can make it fun? Because if you'll make it fun, they're going to recall and remember more. Another thing you do is just be consistent. You know, with the canine training, we had to constantly just be consistent. Do the same thing over and over again, but do it differently. Make it fun, but do it again and again because it took several different times before the dog would actually learn what you were asking him to do. And so it may take weeks to actually do that. So be consistent, be consistent. Introduce new challenges. You know, uh, a dog would accomplish something and now we're going to throw something new in there. We're going to make the, the path that he's tracking uh, change to go back around to see if he'll catch the scent because the person kind of did a backtrack. You know, we're going to introduce new challenges and then we're going to reward them when they learn those new challenges. Any, anything that you introduce that's new, you want to recognize when the person learns it. The same way that I would do as a canine officer. Um, you also want to look for patterns and correct. You know, if the dog begins to shut down every time that you give a command and, and they particularly, you know, if you ask them to, to stay and within 10 seconds, they're looking around and they're getting up and moving to another location, well, you gotta correct that. And so, as you're leading people, you know, if you begin to see a pattern emerging, somebody not showing up to work on time, somebody not finishing something correctly, you know, you don't wanna react. What you wanna do is you wanna teach and instruct and give them the tools to be able to correct that. But again, you're the teacher, you're the leader, you're the manager. And so it's up to you to be able to do that. And lastly, you always want to end on a positive note. If you're ever correcting people, you know, uh, I love the sandwich method. The sandwich method is, you know, you praise somebody, tell them what they've been doing good, and then you come in and you say, but we need to talk about this. And, and, And you want to do it with the encouragement that you believe that they can do it. You know, I know that you can do this. You know, and many times, with canine training, you know, at the end of the day, we didn't want to end with a correction of the dog. We wanted to give them something they could succeed in and feel really good about. So in their mind, you know, we had a great day. Same thing with training people. You know, you want to be able to end on a positive note. So maybe begin with something positive, bring the correction, but then come back. Praise them for what they've been doing well. Tell them you know that they can do it and end that period of time that you're having to work with somebody on a positive note. But all these things have to deal with teaching. And so again, I learned that as a canine officer. Leaders and canine officers have got to be teachers. The fourth thing that I learned was this, and this is really big. As a canine officer and as a leader, you need to reward them often, reward, reward, reward. Uh, you know basically what you reward you will get more of and uh, we had uh, treats and snacks bags of them stuffed in our pockets in fact I'd wear military uh, pants or fatigues when we were training with the multi pockets that were all around and every one of them had stuff stuffed in them so I could constantly keep the dog rewarded and treated and Uh, you know, and motivated. And so some people, unfortunately, some people think management and leadership's job is to create rules and find what people are doing wrong. Almost like, hey, the manager's job is to look over this and find where people are doing the job wrong and get them in trouble, correct them, make rules. But that's not really a manager's job or leader's job. Do you have to do that sometimes? Absolutely, but that's not the main job we're to do as leaders. And a canine officer's job was not to sit there and find what the dog was doing wrong and correct the dog over and over again. The same thing that a canine officer had to do, a leader has to do, and it's this. True management or leadership is to lead and inspire others to climb the same mountain you're climbing yourself. You know, when I'm, going out with a dog and I was a canine officer. That dog's going with me. He's following me. He's following my lead. And so every time he's doing something that I'm asking him to do, I'm looking for a chance to reward him. You know, many times it was just playing with the dog. Many times it was just praising him. I mean, constantly talking to him, you know, using the tone of my voice so that he knew I was happy with him. And you know, he's following me. And if he does something good, I'm going to praise him because I want him to continue to do it again. Well, you're doing the same thing as a leader. You're trying to inspire people to follow you and to climb the same mountain that you're climbing. And you know, the question is if you turn around and nobody's following you, are you a leader? You know, leadership is not position, it's influence. And too many leaders, they miss the point. They, they see their position as, okay, my job is to show up to put the fire out. My job is to show up to, to change something if it needs change. Now, your job is to inspire, instruct, and direct, but to lead people into success the same way that I would lead Gator into success to be successful. But to be successful, you've got to learn to reward often. You know, uh, I never forget on the highway patrol, uh, there was a captain that I absolutely loved, worked with him uh, for years. And this captain made a decision on his own, I believe, to get a plaque and make a Trooper of the Month every month. And he would put the plaque up in the office and recognize that trooper and do a letter out to everybody. And so after a month was finished, He would select a trooper that had done something admirable or, you know, had done a really good job, and he would put their name on that plaque and recognize them at the squad meeting, and their plaque would be up there that month until it came down for the next person that was recognized. And the little act of awarding um, individuals on, you know, maybe maybe they went out and, and they made a really big drug bust. Maybe they actually worked to save somebody's life, which of course is you know, very, very recognizable as you know, an act of heroism. You know, whatever it was, you know, they were constantly finding things to recognize that were good traits of good state troopers. Guess what they got more of? They got more people acting that way. Why were people acting that way? Because they wanted their name on that plaque. They wanted the feeling that I really have contributed to this organization. Yeah, you'll have one or two that really don't care, but the majority of people really care about rewards. And so if you're leading people, you've got to figure out a way to find things that can reward people. And it can be as little as if you do this, hey, that great job, you're getting a Starbucks tomorrow. And it can be even major recognition, but you've got to find a way to reward people. Develop a system that recognizes the behavior you desire And guess what, you'll get more of it. And the uh, last two things I wanna share are this, is don't overwork them. Uh, As a canine officer, I learned early on that uh, you can't overwork the dog. Uh, He's gotta have rest. He's gotta take care of himself. And if you're a middle manager, if you're a leader, you know, it's your responsibility to make sure your people are taking care of themselves. And yes, there are long hours that we all work. Yes, there are deadlines. Yes, there are all of those things. But if you don't pay attention to people and make sure that they're taking care of themselves and even suggestion, I have suggested to people, Hey, take a day off, take some time off. The reason why? Because I don't want my people to burn out and we didn't want the canine to burn out. And so we had to make sure that the canine was taking breaks and getting water and cooling down you got to do the same thing too. It seems like it's common sense, but we forget they're dependent on our leadership. And sometimes we've got to step in and make sure that they're taking care of that. And the last thing that's important that I learned as a, as a, as a leader, as a a canine leader that really uh, translates over into leadership is you got to spend time with them. Uh, You know, as a canine officer, You live with the dog. The dog goes home with you. You don't check the dog in at the station and he sleeps there in a pen. No, he has to come home with you and he's got to sleep either in your house or in a pen that you've built outside the house. But he's with you. He's with your family. He's in your car all day long. You feed him. You take care of him. You bathe him. I mean basically you've got to spend that amount of time because without that amount of time you will not build a bond And without a bond, you will not have trust and you will not have buy-in. And so while there's a level of separation that every leader needs to have with their team, a level of separation that basically, you know, they know that you're the boss. You're not just the the chummy buddy that they can just tell you what to do. Yeah, there has to be a level of separation. You need to have relationship with the people that you work with. You need to have relationship with the people you lead. Uh, the greatest organizations in the world, you will find leaders that they will have relationship with the key people that are around them because they can't influence people that they're not in relationship with. And so you've got to spend time with them. You've got to play with them. You know, uh, some of the uh, most successful CEOs go and play basketball or they do sports with their leadership team. Why do they do that? because the philosophy that we work hard and play hard has to be in that leadership team. And so I learned early on that to be a successful canine leader uh, and lead a canine successfully, I had to spend time with Gator. I had to talk with Gator. Gator had to trust me. Gator wanted to be with me because we had a relationship. He wasn't just a dog that I pulled out of the closet and took to work, he was uh, a, a partner and you've got to do the same with the people that you're, that you're leading. And so, just take a couple of these principles that I've shared today. I've, I, you know, I've shared five or maybe six principles that really, really translate into how you can be successful in leadership based upon what I learned in leading a canine. And as you look at where you need to make changes, make those changes and watch what happens to the team that you're leading watch what happens to how people respond because people will respond to you if you're leading them correctly. They always do and they always will. Well, until we talk again, this is Don Newman with living a life worth remembering. I look forward to getting back with you again in the future and sharing how I'm moving forward with making a U-turn in my life. I'm going to share more on that in the future and you know, my battle with losing weight I shared in the last episode. I'm still working on that. I'm still learning and there are things I'm going to be sharing in the future. And so again, until we meet again, I just pray that the ripples you create today would become the waves in the future and may God bless you in everything you're doing. Have a great day.